I don't want to hear him screaming. Welcome, everybody from around the world. I'm Father Chris Alar, and I'm one of the Marian priests of the Immaculate Conception here from the National Shrine of the Divine Mercy. We're in Stockbridge, Massachusetts right now. It's May 1st, and it's 39 degrees, so it feels more like March 1st. But uh, May is the month of Our Lady, so you can see we already have the beautiful flowers here in the sanctuary. And what a great way to begin today with the Feast of St. Joseph, which join us at 3 o'clock later today as we do our first Saturday's devotion and our consecration to St. Joseph. But today, as you saw on the title slide, we are going to be talking about heaven. What is heaven like? And we know this from Scripture, the Bible, and Revelation, and sacred tradition, apostolic tradition, not man-made. So please join us as we continue to teach you what the church teaches heaven is like. Let us begin with a prayer in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we ask you send the Holy Spirit down upon us to give us the grace that gives us a foretaste of heaven so that we may one day enter into it with you to share in the divine life for all eternity. And we ask all this through the intercession of our Mother Mary, all the angels and saints, and through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Again, welcome. We're glad you're with us. So today, it is all about heaven, what you need to know, some things that you may not, but you know, we're going to start, the Baltimore Catechism states that we're meant for heaven, we're meant to be saved, it's the reason God created us, to know him, love him, serve him, be happy with him forever and ever, heaven forever. But I want to show our first slide here, because the church does tell us what heaven will be like, and this is the Catechism and Apostolic Tradition. It says... The church says, those who die in God's grace and friendship and are perfectly purified, whether in this life or in the next life in purgatory, live forever with Christ. They are like God forever, for they see him as he is face to face. This is amazing. So what does it mean to see God face to face? Because, you know, other places in the Bible, it says no man has seen God's face. Well, how do we explain this? You know, it's interesting because Revelation 22 verse 4 says we will see the face of God. So it seems like it's telling us something that's going to happen, and we will. Now, Tim Staples, a good apologist that you can trust his work, good Catholic, says this doesn't mean that we will see God with our physical eyes. He's pure spirit. Okay, Matthew 18.10 says that the angels behold the face of God. Yet the angels don't have eyeballs. So how do we explain this? Well, okay. The saints see God face to face or the divine essence with, as I said yesterday in my homily, I'm just going to kind of re recap some of that from yesterday, with an intuited intellectual vision. Not necessarily with your eyeballs, but with your heart, with your mind, your soul. All right? So... This is what, let's look at our next slide. This is what was meant 
when we said beatific vision. This is what we call the beatific vision. All right, seeing God as he once, as he is, once we behold him in heaven. <clears throat> That's the gift of the beatific vision. This is what we mean. Now, the angels, what about this? Okay, I did another talk in the past on spiritual warfare about the fallen angels. A common question I got is, Father, how did the angels fall when they were already in heaven? There's no sin in heaven. How did they be disobedient and rebel? They were in heaven. Okay, tradition tells us, this is apostolic tradition, not man-made tradition, small t or large t, but what this is, is that the angels, like man, faced a period of probation. They had not fully yet beheld the beatific vision. If they had fully beheld the beatific vision, no, there wouldn't have been a rebellion. But they weren't there yet. Like man, like Adam and Eve, we were created, weren't we? We were created, Adam and Eve, but they still had a probation period and a testing. And they fell. And so they fell because they did not yet behold the beatific vision. Now, once God's plan of salvation works out, we will, those destined for heaven, behold the beatific vision. Then there will be no rebellion. There'll be no sin. So the beatific vision isn't just people looking at God and staring at him for billions of years. Some people think that. And then looking away from him. And then, oh, wait a minute, i got to look back on God. No, this isn't it. We are alive in him. That's the beatific vision. So the church teaches heaven. Is it a place? Heaven is primarily a state of being rather than a physical place. Now, however, I got to clarify that because heaven can also be said in a way to be a place in a qualified sense in so much as in the end of time, we will get our bodies back. And those are physical. Uh, Jesus has his body. Mary has her body. We will get our bodies in the general judgment, right? And they can be said to have location in a sense. But it's looked upon as not in this same way we do here. It's going to be different, maybe another dimension. So heaven is actually in the heart, Scripture tells us. Heaven is in the heart. It begins here on earth. Father, this is hardly heaven. How long is that? Well, yes, it is when you receive the Eucharist, when you attend Mass. You're at, your heaven and earth are united. Pope Benedict told us in Spirit of the Liturgy, when you're at Mass, the roof of the church opens up and heaven and earth are united. The angels ascend and descend. And then it's all fulfilled when you enter into the beatific vision of heaven. So this Mass is a foretaste, heaven on earth. So that, yeah, it's not heaven on earth when you see the famines and the poverty. I would love to do a Tai Chi session for anybody who has muscular pains. <laughs> but I don't know how to do that. <laughs> that might help you guys. So I'll try to walk you through it verbally maybe. It really helped me. Um, one time I was serving jury duty at, in, in Rockville. And for some odd reason, there was this bunch of Chinese lady doing Tai Chi. <laughs> they, they, they work there, but that's their lunch break. 
I'm like, uh-huh. She taught me how to um, do, okay, pretend like, you ever whip somebody's butt in the locker room with a wet towel? Yeah. Pretend like your arm is that wet towel. And you want to, this is, I know, it's going to take you a while. Please, this is advanced study. I did say that, didn't I? No, I didn't yet. Okay, whatever. It takes you a long time to relax, people. I'll say it again. 20 seconds, each minimum 20 seconds per pose. If you can hold it, the longer you can hold it, it you'll feel the release. When you first do it, it might take you five minutes. <laughs> we'll do anyway. Anyway, well, there's so much to do. In the murder heaven. So this mass is a foretaste heaven on earth. So that, yeah, it's not heaven on earth when you see the famines and the poverty and the murders. But that's why we have to pray. Because the mass is where we do enter into heaven. It's a foretaste once we get through this valley of tears. Yep. All right. Let's look at our next slide. I want to bring something up here that's very interesting. Tim Staples had a great comment. And he said this. Let's look at our next slide. Yes, sir. The blessed will be in a state of contemplation of God that is God. constant. Constantly. Heaven is principally a state of absolute fulfillment. I'm so absolutely fulfilled. In the Are possession of God in the beatific vision, the blessed will experience what cannot be put into words. <laughs> a radical union with God that transcends anything we could envisage. Oh, great. So I don't have and to bother talking about it. Great. <laughs> and it <laughs> is you. precisely because of that radical union with God in Tim Christ. Staples, man. Blessed will also experience a union with the other members of the body of Christ that transcends our ability to imagine as well. Well, wait a minute, Father. The dead can't talk to us. They can't see us. They can't help us. We can't pray to them. Okay, then what's the whole purpose of this thing? Why are we doing it? What? Exactly. All right, whatever. Our ability to imagine so as well. Well, wait a minute, Father. The dead can't talk to us. They can't see us. They can't help us. We can't pray to them. Yes, we're going to talk about that. This is powerful. All right, did you hear that Oklahoma joke where the parents are like sitting on the porch, you know, Mama on her on her swing and Daddy on his rocking chair, and all of a sudden through the cornfield. <laughs> Who told this? I don't remember. So, and this boy runs from left to right, like, phew, he's like, was Tom Sawyer or something like that? I forgot. And he's like, Mom, where do you think that boy's running so fast? And Mom was like, I don't think he knows, Daddy. Well, stuff. All right. You know, another thing. Some people say all the time, Father, I will never be happy in heaven unless my children are there, for instance. As I said in the homily yesterday, that's a valid question. All right. In fact, our next slide shows that. This is the answer to that. Revelation, let's look at our next slide. Revelation 21.4 says God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. What's he talking about? Heaven. Now wait a minute. No more flesh meat. 
So what about those people no, who are saying no. if my okay, children, for instance, are... The creed, right? What's in the creed? The body rose from the dead. Please clarify. Am I... How am I... What... what I can't guarantee that I'll be an incorruptible, so I gotta make a plan B, right? Like, what are you talking about? Your meat suit, your skin, your what? A whole crown. I need a flesh crown. I need, crown. I need a flesh and a crown. Flesh, a meat, crown. Flesh and a crown. New flesh and new crown. All right, whatever. I, I You're got. You're in the corrupted body, so there's no crown. There. All right, all right. It's new flesh. It's the flesh that the resurrection of Jesus, where he had lived with the Holy Spirit, not with blood. No by blood. You live not by bread alone. Right. Well. Right. Right. Okay. Explain yourself. <laughs> yeah, I don't live by bread alone. Exactly. Because every time I eat it, I get hungry again. Like, what the is the point? Who shall ever eat this food will be hungry again. Right. Whoever drink this water shall be thirsty again. Yeah. But whoever shall eat my drink and my flesh mm -hmm. shall gain eternal life. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh -huh. So uh -huh. we go, eat his flesh. How can this man tell us to eat his flesh? My flesh is my word. My word is the bread that I was talking my about. My word is my bond. It's not really that was My word is my bond. <laughs> no. No. I don't want to be a bond servant. Duh. I want to be your friend. I want to love you. So when he said live by bread alone, he is talking about, you know, you won't understand what I'm talking about. <laughs> you understand it uh, philosophy-wise. Like, the cow. But what I really was talking the about way. was the real thing. Look, I died. I came back. I eat. I can drink. I can eat. I'm talking to you no more. Are you and alive? I'm able I'm to alive. walk the wall. You're alive. We're alive. But then he was able to do all kind of things before the resurrection. But we needed to see that. So it is. Mm -hmm. Even Thomas was satisfied. But Good there enough. Was, there was a difference between before and after. You got a physician, Luke, who was satisfied? The difference is one has blood and then afterward didn't have blood. He was walking around with just flesh, bone, and spirit. No why. <laughs> no mm -hmm. questioning of God. No disobedience. There you go. Answered? Good? Okay. Or maybe my parents or my brothers and sisters, whatever it might be. If, I, if they're not there, I'm not going to be happy, and I'm not, I don't want to go there. All right? Since missing our loved ones, we just read that there'll be no mourning, no misery, no pain. And since our missing our loved ones would fall under the category of pain and mourning, which Jesus just said will be, or Revelation just said will be wiped away, that God wipes it away, that means you won't be mourning in that sense. All right? Our focus then should be on bringing our loved ones to Christ and making sure we do get them there rather than worrying about being unhappy if they're not there. Don't focus on that. Focus now while you can on getting them there, praying for them. So we do this. We do this so that they will be there rather than worrying about being unhappy if they aren't. 
All right, now, let's go to our next slide. This is Peter Kreft. Peter Kreft, I also mentioned briefly yesterday, is a Boston College philosophy professor who I was in contact with. He endorsed uh, Brother Jason in my book, uh, After Suicide. And this is an amazing man, one of the great, great men um, and philosophers. And I want to steal from him, if I may, uh, some of his writings that I think summarize heaven great. And this is going to be just a recap of what I mentioned in the... Let's go to our next slide. This is Peter Kreft. Peter Kreft, I also mentioned... K-R-E-E-F-T. Two E's. I've never seen that before. Uh, interesting. Who is Peter Kreft? Yes. Who is he? ...briefly yesterday is a Boston College philosophy professor who I was in contact with. He endorsed... Brother Jason in my book, uh, After Suicide. And this is an amazing man, one of the great, great men um, and philosophers. And I want to steal from him, if I may, uh, some of his writings that I think summarize heaven great. And this is going to be just a recap of what I mentioned in the homily yesterday, so maybe a good recap. I'm going to add a few things. But basically, this is what I wanted to mention that he writes about that I think is great. Now, he starts with a series of questions. And one of the first ones I like he asks is, is there sorrow in heaven? We just talked about this. If my children aren't there, I'm going to be sorrowful. All right, what does he say? Scripture says God will wipe away every tear and there will be no death, sorrow, crying, pain. We just read that. Revelation 24. And the former things will be passed away. 21.4. Yet, Mary shows sorrow. At La Salette, we call her the sorrowful heart of Mary. Wait a minute, she's in heaven. How could she be sorrowful? This is because the more you love, the more you will suffer. But wait a minute, Father, if God and those in heaven can't suffer, it just said in Revelation, there'll be no suffering, pain, or mourning. How can this be? And if you say love and suffering are connected and they certainly love in heaven, then they must suffer. And you just said Mary has a sorrowful heart, so she must be suffering. All right. Is she? God is not hurt, and Mary too, for that matter, is not hurt by the fact that we have hurt them, but that we have... What? Where does pain come from? The root. You not liking something? Right. So from, it. It's from your something mind. Something you don't what want. I mean is, what, I, what I want is, I'm, I'm saying, as far as thinking in terms of physical, it came from your brain. Ow. The pain came, the, the brain tells the body that this fucked up. You should be painful. And you go, yeah, I'm hurt. Like, if you think about slowly, slow down the process and see how the chip works, and you're like, uh, yeah, it is like that. Okay, where does pleasure come from? Your brain, that your body, this feels good. Yeah, you should be jumping excited. And then you go, I know I'm explaining slow motion, but it's instantly. That's how the brain works. Delay, jet lag, no worries. Not jet lag, for, for describing slow motion. Right, down. that's the only, we need something to understand. Yes, everybody understands jet lag. At least anybody who's ever gone out of their country.
<laughs> Say, I give you a will. A plant doesn't have the willingness to do even if it wanted to. I give you the able and the will. Yet, everything comes from your mind. Yet, everything comes from the soul. Is it the mind? Or is it the soul? Don't think then they say when you go headache. to the other side, they say <laughs> you have no pain, no nothing, and then yet you sorrows. Which is it, Father? I don't know. You're confusing me. <laughs> exactly. I'm confused. Explain. It. Go ahead. I told you. Don't think. Don't fall yet more. Oh my goodness. Don't worry, my for real. Stupid. Psycho. Look, she's <laughs> laughing right now, and I've seen her cry. Yet you tell her on the other side, there's no more pain, but that there's sorrows. Go ahead. What movie was that? I think it was Denzel Washington in it. And all of them were following him in the desert. And there were mines all, everywhere under the sand. And some of them couldn't hold it anymore because he was going so slow with the staff. He was trying to poke out the mines. And he was telling everybody to follow exactly his footprint. And then the guy at the end, he couldn't wait anymore. So he got blown up. <laughs> what movie was that? And then entered this crazy-ass mansion with this lady, like... Try, I don't know, some crazy movie. I no, it was either Denzel or the other one who did. Well, he did Eli too. I don't know, whatever. It just said, "How could she be sorrowful?" This is because the more you love, the more you will suffer. But wait a minute, Father. If God and those in heaven can't suffer, it just said in Revelation, "There'll be no suffering, pain, or mourning." How can this be? And if you say love and suffering are connected, and they certainly love in heaven, then they must suffer. And you just said Mary has a sorrowful heart, so she must be suffering. All right. So it is a black boy. Again, same thing. Again, Catholic. Same thing. Uh, but I get it. It's no way in heaven to put it. There's to swallows. There's ravens. There's finches. Okay. All right. Until y'all learn to stop doing this. Take, I'm going to take what y'all understand. And then I'm going to tell you. Y'all do it. Explain it to me. Tell me. This, hold on. Describe space. Using earth matters. To explain. Go ahead. I'm waiting. Um, email me. I know the only thing they can use. I know what they're going to use. What? But you can't even think of it, can you? Okay, go ahead. Like water. Like down in the Like spot. water, my friend. It's in not, a cup. It's not, that's not space. But you floating in water. Like you're not Species touching the eight, floor. Four, seven, two. Same. You can't even do that. And you, you, you're going to like criticize. Whatever, man. How about. This is not even come close. I know blasphemy, but for the purpose of a human godfather, please. Don't worry about us. it. No one's listening to you. I'm talking to God the Father. Sorry. We're not even talking about Gaia. Okay, let's say heaven. Heaven is like an ocean. Or an we, onion, if you're Shrek. Heaven is like an ocean. 
Okay. You 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 is the ocean wet? <laughs> or 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 is it that you jump in? It's wet. And you're wet. <laughs> okay, I remember this one now. <laughs> right. So you jump in, your whole body's wet. Moist, mist, Genesis, flowers growing in the mist, mm-hmm, mist, what? You know, you know what, let me take it back, it's hard to explain, it is like pregnancy, atmosphere, it is like pregnancy, pregnancy. you have to remember when you're pregnant, how was, spiritual pregnancy, physical pregnancy, did you worry about the baby? Did you, you, you pray that he would come out right? Right. I looked you, at pretty you, baby you, pictures you, all day long. Let's slow down. And you, you, you want to make sure that you pray to God that he come out with ten fingers and ten toes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I know people, two people uh -huh. with six fingers. See, go ahead. Y'all want to understand what that's like? Or Father Alar? He's talking about pregnancy on like using pregnancy. It is like both. It's like it's like it is. You know, he says like pregnancy when you're when the mother's in pain in labors, and you see that the he described it. It's like pain, but when the baby's birth. The mother forgets about her pains and all she sees is the hope and joy and love in the baby. Yep. I did not take no medication from them. So. And then all the other kind of pains start, whatever, yada, yada. So if you want to understand, <laughs> if you say that, look at the power and the glory after he died and, and he's 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 in glory. No man. I don't think so. Let me explain why. Why do you say that he's in glory? Cause he doing it. He's finished. He's up there. He's home. He's resting with his mama, having fun with her. Man, let me let me change the thinking of that. No. He oh. is always in glory. Oh. No time, no space. Walk on water, raising the dead, hello. Uh, no eye, give you an eye. You will cripple and you're able to walk. Oh, the lady who can't see, who can't, who doesn't have eyeballs but can't see. What do you see. mean by in glory? That was for your benefit. The sacrifice, the, the resurrection, all that was for y'all doing. Y'all got yourself in the catch 22 and put God on the catch 22. Why? Because yeah. he loved you. So he... Picked you out on on you on you being in twenty two and he took your place for you. Yep. Why? For your benefit. Yep. So that you can see the glory of God. But he always is glory. He said, "Let let the son of man be lifted." Yeah. Let the son of man be lifted, or else you will not be saved. Why? Because if the son of man are not lifted, then you didn't see anything. All that was for nothing. All that was in vain. All that was for nothing. That you didn't... I did it. You didn't realize it. Nobody ever reads the book of Enoch. Right? So to say... No pain and all that in heaven... 
they really don't understand. Hmm. You know, but it's so big. Enoch. There's two Enoch. kinds. Knocking. Knocking. He's knocking. You're seeing that they going through they going through the path that you know what's gonna happen. It's like you sitting on top of the mountain. Like Kent Hovind's example. I love his example. It's like everybody's climbing a mountain and the vantage point from the top can see everything. All the rivers below, all the landscape for as far as as I can see. where on that landscape am I? You know what I mean? Like and being in prayer is like you have a walkie-talkie, and he's walking you through your life. That's how I see it. I was like, man, that's paradigm shift right there. Is not hurt, and Mary too, for that matter, is not hurt by the fact that we have hurt. Uh-huh. It's, it's, uh... One thing I want to get is straight with this uh, is that I, you guys need to study mm -hmm. what was Jesus like, mm -hmm. or what 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 was before, mm -hmm. and what was after and resurrected. Mm -hmm. Meaning the body or who Jesus was before mm -hmm. the cross and dying on a cross and resurrected. So be observe what was before and observe what it is after. Are you saying that be before was different and after was different? Which part? How so? Tell me. I know, but I want you to tell me what was different before and what was it happened after. If you're talking about as far as glory, he always has glory. That doesn't make sense that he in glory after. In glory because you you lift him up in glory. Exactly. But he saw before all that he was always in glory. What are you talking about? He said you said he's God. Always what? Glory be to the Father, the Son, and the and the and the Holy Spirit. I don't know how to say anything, but always be and always will be. Basically, if you're not giving him glory, then who are you giving glory to? Hello. He said, "Must must the must the Son of Man be lifted." As Moses lifted the serpent in the desert, so that the Son of Man also be lifted. Does that mean that he, in order for him to have power and glory, man must be lifted? No. That's for our benefit. Or just play, whatever. Them. But that we have hurt ourselves. It's like a good parent. I use the example of, of a drug. If the parent, son, or daughter is hooked on drugs and they're destroying themselves, the parent's going to be sorrowful, hurting. And the other example was, well, wait a minute, are we going to be sorrowful if we learn at the general judgment that some of the souls we knew are in hell? Now that does seem like a good question. But surprisingly, the answer is no. You won't be. Oh, my Father, how's that? That's not possible. Yes, because you're, we will be fully illumined that they got what they chose. They got what they wanted. They would be missed.
miserable in heaven. That seems crazy, doesn't it? But remember, I'd rather reign in hell than serve in heaven. And some follow that path. That's why we have to pray for them now. Alright? Now, next question Peter Kraft asked. Will we know everything in heaven? And he makes a good emphatic point. No. Heaven isn't us being divine. Only God is divine. Which is infinite. We will remain human, which is finite. Only God is divine and infinite. We are human and finite, and we'll stay that way. We will share in his divine life in, in a way we do that now at Mass, but we will not know everything. It's probably a good thing, because if you're not omnipotent, all-powerful like God, it probably isn't good to be also omniscient, meaning all-knowing, because that would be more like hell on earth, Peter Kraft says. All right, so... We will be more like children in heaven, knowing what we don't know. Remember when you were a child, you knew that you didn't know how to drive a car. When you were a child, you knew that you didn't know how to work uh, in a professional job like your parents did. You knew you didn't do that. You knew you had a lot to learn. That's the same in heaven. We'll be like those children, knowing what we fully don't know. That's humility. Knowing the truth. All right. He, he mentioned, and I mentioned this yesterday. He said, will we all be equal? He says, no. No. We will in dignity, but not in, in, in the sense that we're exactly the same. And in essence, maybe not even dignity, because there are levels of heaven and we will attain based on our holiness and our receptiveness to God's grace. So this is a new form of pride in the world. This is communism. That, that nobody can be better than me. We have to make everybody equal now because we're going to offend them. We can't have, we can't even give trophies anymore in sports. You know, when I was a kid in, in baseball, when I was in, 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 uh, in Little League baseball, this is the honest truth. The parent each week at the baseball game was to bring a bunch of goodies for the team. I was like in second grade, third grade. And the, the parent, each week was a different parent, was to bring some goodies for the whole team if they won. So they bring, you know, maybe uh, ice cream bars or, or sodas or whatever it would be. And the coaches made it clear that if we won, we got those treats. But if we lost, the parent took them back home. Now, do you really think that that is so absolutely horrible? Actually, I look back on it and I say it really taught me a lesson. It was not a crime. It taught me a good lesson that I have to strive to do my best. This thing of everybody gets the same award is, is socialism. It doesn't provide any personal incentive. And so I think this is powerful. So anyway, um, <clears throat> here's the thing. In heaven, we will maintain uniqueness. We need heroes. And in heaven, we'll have them. There's levels of heaven. You know, you will do something better than any other soul for all eternity. You may not even know it right now, but you've been given a unique 
aspect of your life, your soul, that is different than anybody else. You will do something better in heaven than anybody else who has ever lived for all eternity. Maybe it's adoring a certain attribute of God, whatever it might be, but you will have a uniqueness that no other soul in human history will match, and God has given that to you. This striving to wipe out all uniqueness is of Satan. Justice, they say, is what it's about. No, justice doesn't mean equality. It doesn't mean sameness. Justice means giving someone their due. <coughs> so it is just, excuse me, <coughs> so it is just that I worship God, as I said the other day, more than a sports athlete. It's, and people say, well, no, no, this shouldn't be that way. Um, it is just to treat a pig like a man was the example Peter used, Peter Cruft. Well, then he said, well, if a pig is going to be treated like a man, then it's also just that a man is treated like a pig. And that's not just. This is to treat differently in one aspect but dignity is equal in another. In the body, as I said before, Peter Kreft says, the kidney doesn't rebel against the eyeball because the kidney can't see. No, the kidney has a different function. The kidney filters the urine. The eyeball does not, but the kidney doesn't see. The eyeball does. This is fascinating. All right, what about those in heaven, speaking of eyeballs? Do they see us? Do they see us now? The scripture tells us, yes, we are surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. God is not the God of the dead, but the God of the living, for all are alive in him. This is the Bible. The communion of saints through the body of Christ are all linked, and Jesus connects them, heaven and earth. Why? Because he can. He's God from heaven, man who lived on earth. He is in heaven and still on earth. Well, wait a minute. No, Father, he left. Yes, but what did he say? I will remain with you till the end of time. How is that possible when he ascended to the Father? Because he left us the Eucharist. He will remain with us. We don't worship an absent Christ. He's with us. All right, now, let's go to our next slide. This one's kind of interesting. Ghosts. Are ghosts from heaven? And I'm finishing just my little summary from my homily yesterday. Are there ghosts? Well, yes, there are spirits that could come to us from heaven, hell, or purgatory. Hell's not been sealed yet. So the demons can wander this earth. At the end of time, hell will be sealed. Satan and all the demons will be thrown into it, will be sealed forever, then they can't get out. Right now, they can roam. The evil one is roaming around the world looking for souls to devour like a prowling lion. Now, these souls or spirits can be from heaven, hell, or purgatory. Now, we are not to conjure up spirits. We are not to conjure up spirits because this can bring evil. We know this. However, that's only because of the fear of the evil one. Ghosts, as I say, can be from heaven, hell, or purgatory. That's why we stick to the saints. That's why we can pray to the saints. Pray doesn't mean to worship. Pray means to ask. We can ask and communicate with the saints. Why? Because we have no fear that they're of evil. That's why we have saints. We know that they are good spirits. We know who they are. So they come from heaven. Now, that brings up another question Peter Kreeft asked. Well, what will we possess in heaven? Will we have things? What will we have? And he said, nothing and everything. 
We must detach in order to enter heaven. We must learn to die before we die. What does that mean? Detaching. Giving up those things that we're holding on to. If you ever want to know if something's sinful, ask yourself, can I live without it? You know, I, I mentioned that when I was uh, in North Carolina, I had a home on the lake and uh, uh, a fiancé or beautiful girl I was planning to marry and, and a business and a lot of money and cars, boats. Now I have nothing, but I've never been happier. That's how heaven will be. You'll have nothing possessed, but you'll be happier than ever because you have God. All right? Learning detachment from the world is important. The world can be possessed, so we must detach of it. Is our training for learning to be detached from the desire to possess in heaven because heaven cannot be possessed. So it takes us out of that desire to possess things because in heaven we can't possess things. Very important. I said this yesterday. You know, C.S. Lewis, one of my favorite authors, was asked if he thought he would possess any of his beloved library books in heaven. And C.S. Lewis said, only those that I gave away on earth. Isn't that powerful? All right, so our next slide. Here we see, what color do we look at here? White. As Peter Kraft said, when we were clothes in heaven, and he explained that the clothing of heaven is described in scripture as white garments. Look at the souls there. White is the color of light, which we will each shine with as much as we reflected the light of Christ on earth. So the more we were Christ-like, the more we will reflect bright light in heaven. And that is symbolized by white garment. Why do you think wedding garments, wedding gowns of women are white, the purity? The chrism or the, the, the baptismal gowns of babies are white? So our heavenly clothes express, can express to our earthly story. And he pointed out that things like Socrates may have a philosopher's robe or heroes may wear the garment that they were, you know, George Washington might have, you know, his presidential um, garb on. This is awesome. He even said Jesus may wear a crown of thorns, but now those thorns might be diamonds. Right? <clears throat> and then I finished yesterday with a couple last things. One, will there be our animals? Will our animals be in heaven? Everybody wants to know this question. And I pointed out that Aquinas says yes. Well, let me rephrase that. Are there animals in heaven? Aquinas says yes, but they're not our particular animals. Because only human beings have rational, immortal souls now, every living thing has a soul. <clears throat> You've heard me say this. Every plant has a soul. Every, um, every animal has a soul. Every human has a soul. It will make, it's what gives you life. So if a plant is alive, I haven't killed it yet, it has a soul. But it's not rational and immortal, Thomas Aquinas says. So it will not be resurrected from the dead. But he does say there will be animals in heaven, like the horse that Christ rides and stuff like that. But they just won't be these animals. Now, C.S. Lewis disagrees. C.S. Lewis supposes that animals are saved in their masters as part of their extended family because God brings all creation to himself. <clears throat> in other words, when he saves you, if your pets are part of you, your pets will be saved too. So Peter Kreeft agrees with C.S. Lewis on this. 
So I think it's very fascinating how you want to look at that. So we can have hope for our animals. Now, next, will we get bored in heaven? These are the last two I mentioned yesterday in the homily. Will we get bored in heaven? Now, it seems like we will. Father, if I'm just going to stare at our Lord for billions of years, it seems like I will get bored. No, because we are with God and God is infinite. We never come to the end of exploring him. He is new every day. Heaven is eternal, and it means that time does not pass. That's the only way boredom comes about. Boredom is a condition of time, or time is a condition of boredom. This isn't going to happen. In heaven, there is no time. There's no past. There's no future. Everything is one present moment. There is no waiting. And so this is powerful. All right, now, that's why we can pray even today for the salvation at the moment of judgment of our loved ones who may have died years ago. This is fascinating. Well, Father, I could pray to get them out of purgatory. No, God is outside of time. Our prayers, because God knows when we were going to make them, even if it was 20 years in the future, can apply those graces to our loved ones even at the moment of their judgment in the past. Fascinating. All right, then finally, I finished yesterday with will we have free will to sin in heaven? I don't think I covered this. I didn't yesterday, so this is a new one. We will have, will we have free will to sin in heaven? Good question. God is both free and he is sinless. So when we are perfected, and perfectly aligned with the will of God, we will not choose to sin. Even though we have free will, we will have a freedom not to sin. This is interesting. Our highest freedom is freedom to be fully ourselves, and we are most free when we are obedient to God's will. No, Father, I'm tired of the Catholic Church. Rules, rules, rules. No, those are God's directive and guidelines to bring you to eternal life. And that will bring about more freedom than anything. You want to know what no freedom is, is, is attachments to addictions or material goods of this earth. That's not freedom. You're enslaved. You're enslaved to addiction, drugs or sex or whatever it might be. Following the will of God is a breaking of that and true freedom. Freedom isn't doing whatever you want to do. That's license. Freedom is doing what you ought to be able to do. So what we ought to do is worship God. So in the United States of America, we have the freedom to worship God. And please don't let that freedom be taken away. All right. So good stuff. Now. Let's go on to some new material. The Bible says no one imperfect in love will enter the kingdom of God. They will not enter heaven because God is perfect love. But that doesn't mean that all flawed people will go to hell either. All right, we are all flawed. Often purgatory is needed for us to be cleansed of these defects and attachments. I did a whole other talk on purgatory, so I won't do that now. But it is natural for people to be thinking about death right now in the afterlife because of the pandemic. And maybe that's not a bad thing. All right, we lost Father Seraphim and Father Walter Gurgle to the, to the virus. It, it makes us think. 
don't focus too much on this. God has called us to love him and our neighbor here on earth. This is why we already are beginning our heaven here on earth. Even though we're in the valley of tears, it's a foreshadowing, especially the mass. We are to live in some ways as though we are already in heaven, at least connected to heaven. All right? The faithful departed, our loved ones who have died, we may think are invisible to us. But they're still connected. We still have a relationship with them. Don't let non-Catholics tell you they're dead and they and they you 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 can't pray for them and, and all that stuff. All right. Let's let's look at how we know this. Let's look at our next slide. What is this a picture of? The transfiguration. And Jesus at the transfiguration stood between Moses and Elijah. He communicated with them, and they have long since died on this earth. They're not dead. I just don't get that argument. What about Jesus when he called Lazarus out of the grave? If Lazarus couldn't hear when he was dead, he was commanded, I tell you, come out. And he got up and he came out. Even after he'd been dead for days. The saints, even the angels, have visited mystics, given them messages from heaven. Mary. And Fatima on other places. So if you want to be close to your departed loved ones, stay in a state of grace. Spend time in prayer. Talk to God. Accept the help God gives you of the angels and the saints. Pray for your faithful departed loved ones. For if they are in purgatory or in heaven, you can help them if they're in purgatory. And they can help you if they're in heaven. It's communication. We can communicate with them through prayer. That is scriptural. Read the book of Revelation. It talks about the prayers of the saints going up to the throne of God. In fact, when we are in the state of grace, we are living the life of heaven here on earth. What does state of grace mean? You're not aware of any mortal sin. All right? Heaven is in our heart starting here in this earth because God is dwelling on it, in us and with us and he is acting through us so the more that we are Christ like on this earth the more we are prepared and ready to enter into heaven even the higher levels there's multiple levels of heaven we'll talk about this so we also have the testimony of the saints who have a lot to say about heaven like St. Faustina St. Faustina told us a lot about heaven. Love is heaven given us already here on earth in holy communion, and it'll be fulfilled in the beatific vision. You know, St. Faustina said, my mission will come to an end after I die, or will not, I should say. St. Faustina said, my mission will not come to an end when I die. It'll just begin. And in, here's what she said in the diary, number 281. Listen to this. Oh, doubting souls, I will draw aside for you the veils of heaven to convince you of God's goodness so that you will no longer continue to wound with your distrust the sweetest heart of Jesus. God is love and mercy. Did you hear that? Don't wound the heart of Jesus. This is why today, join us at 3 o'clock. We will be doing the first Saturday's devotion. And then next Friday, we'll do the first Friday devotion. 
And so today, join us at 3 o'clock. Brother Ken will be with us. And I, actually, you know what? I think because we have less time this week, I think we're just going to recite the chaplet. I apologize. But we are going to make reparation to the two hearts, just as St. Faustina said. So join us. Now that brings me to my next slide. Let's read what this has to say. This is from Diary 592, St. Faustina. I learned in the heart of Jesus, again, the heart of Jesus, the sacred heart, that in heaven itself, there is a heaven to which not all, but only chosen souls have access. This is the levels of heaven we've been talking about. Incomprehensible is the happiness in which the soul will be immersed. Oh my God, oh, that I could describe this even in some little degree. Souls are penetrated by his divinity and pass from brightness to brightness. This is the light I was talking about. An unchanging light, but never monotonous. You will not get bored. Always new, though never changing. Oh, Holy Trinity, make yourself known to souls. Diary 592. Isn't that amazing? That's her description of heaven. Now, she continues to talk about it. Let's go to the next slide. This is Diary 777. Today, I was in heaven. Can you even imagine? And I saw its inconceivable beauties and the happiness that awaits us after death. You know, if there wasn't happiness after death, this world would mean nothing. We have something to hope for. She says, I saw how all the creatures give ceaseless praise and glory to God. I saw how great is happiness in God, which spreads to all creatures, making them happy. And then all the glory and praise which springs from this happiness returns to its source and they enter into the depths of God, contemplating the inner life of God. Next slide. This source of happiness is unchanging in its essence, but it is always new, gushing forth happiness for all creatures. Now I understand St. Paul who said, eye is not seen, nor has ear heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man what God has prepared for those who love him. Wow. Alright. That is powerful stuff. Now, I want to put it into even more common terms. I'm going to show you a real quick clip quick clip from Mother Angelica, and y'all remember her from EWTN. We'll be doing a new EWTN show coming up in the fall from here in Stockbridge, us Mary and Father, so look forward to that. But I wanted to show this clip, and I, I left the intro in because I think it's a trip down memory lane, and this is what brought me to my faith. That intro to that clip was that show that she did that really helped bring me back to my faith. So I want to show you a couple-minute clip of Mother Angelica talking about what heaven is like. Mother Angelica Live, brought to you from the Eternal Word Television Studios in Birmingham, Alabama.
mind that I want to go to heaven. And I want to be with God. So if it takes pain, if it takes suffering, this man had to go sell everything he had. He had to be poor in spirit. He had to give up everything he liked, everything he loved, everything he was accustomed to, every leisure, all the good food he could have eaten, all the assurance he had a lot there to take him through. He had to give all of that up. Why? To buy this field. But what was in the field? A pearl. Nobody ever saw. And that, isn't that like heaven, huh? Are we all anxious? You know, there's all kind of books about people who had near death or death experiences. We want to see what happened to them. Well, the same thing happened to all of them. They knew who they were. Suddenly, they felt all their sins were before them. And then they knew there was a place they could not go beyond. They had to come back. I'll make a bet that 99% of the things that bothered them before didn't bother them anymore. Why? They saw the field. And they saw the pearl. Suddenly, nothing mattered. Nothing. See, if you don't have in your heart a goal, is the goal of this world? No. Because it passes. Everything passes. So isn't that awesome? A trip down the memory lane uh, from 1999. Now, what was Mother talking about there? The scripture passage of the pearl of great price. That here was this guy who had to give up everything, even something that was good, something that he loved, his land, uh, uh, or excuse me, um, to, to his money to get the land, to possess the pearl. And so this is what she was telling us. We might have to give up things, part with our money, part with these things to possess something greater. The pearl of great price. This is what heaven is like. And so that was a great explanation. Now I'm going to continue. Let's go back to Tim Staples again, the good apologist. In his work, What is Heaven Like? Anyway, he points out a Cardinal Ratzinger, who, uh, Pope Benedict XVI, who depicted, he said, you know, we got to be careful. He warned us against depicting heaven as simply an extension of this life, prettied up by a bunch of depictions of eternal picnics and hobbies. Um, you know, it's funny because I think my dad has laughed that his, his idea of heaven will be hunting and fishing uh, the whole time, but... And as good as that is, there's something greater, all right? Uh, because even hunting and fishing, it will get boring after billions of years, right? Again, there's no time, and we don't get bored. All right, so each person, what is it? What will happen? Each person, as I said, will see or comprehend God, live in God in this beatific vision, as we explained earlier, in accordance with their own capacity to... Um, Given by God in grace at the moment of death, have they been in a state of grace? All right, this is important. Um, in accordance with their own capacity dictated to them by how much they lived in a state of grace at the moment of death. Now, this state of grace is determined by both a gift of God 
and the degree to which they cooperated with God's grace in this life. Grace. Okay. Again, I gave a talk a few weeks ago. I made a video, and some people, non-Catholics, jumped all over it. Father, you're talking about works, that that gets you to heaven. No, it doesn't. First of all, I wasn't talking about physical works more than works of love. Now we James 2.24 tells us faith without works is dead. Even Paul says um, faith without works cannot save. He says in uh, Romans 3.28 that faith alone, but he, Martin Luther added the word alone. Mm-hmm. All right? We must have the grace of God. Yes, that's fully from God, only God. We can't control that. To be saved, you need grace, but then you got to cooperate with that grace. And you do that through acts of love. That's how you say yes to that grace. So depending on how much you did that on earth. So grace and acts of love. All right. Cooperate with that grace. And you do that through acts of love. That's how you say yes to that grace. So depending on how much you did that on earth is how big your vessel will be in heaven. So everybody will be fully happy in heaven. But think of yourself as a little shot glass or a great big 55-gallon drum. Whichever one you are, both will be filled completely. If you're just a little tiny shot glass and God fills it to the brim, you're happy. If you're a 55-gallon drum, God will fill it to the brim, and they will be happy. What determines if you're a tiny thimble or a giant container is how you live to love God's grace and your cooperation with that grace. This is why to be saved, yes, it's from God's grace, but it doesn't end there. Non-Catholics stop there. No, we have to cooperate with that grace. Works of love, not works of the law. And people get confused by this. All right, the state of grace. Okay, that reminds me of the Tobit story, right? He physically made incense of the of the fish parts, which created a stinking smell that chase away the demons but can you think of that in terms of physically uh, spiritually invisibly when you pray when you stay near mary when you stay near god he don't want any part of that yes see all right there we go lamp post is determined by both as i said the gift of god and the degree to which we cooperated with that grace this is an example perfect example is mary in his shadow the mother of god she was given a ton of grace oh, but she perfect does he even have a shadow if he's a light bulb, never mind. We cooperate. Not in the degree to which we cooperated with that grace. This is an example, perfect example, is Mary, the mother of God. She was given a ton of grace, but she perfectly cooperated, saying yes. All right, this leads us to our next slide. Let's take a look. When we do this, we'll be reunited with our bodies in heaven. People seem to forget. They think we die and just our spirit goes to heaven. Tentatively, that's true. But when the world ends and it's time for the general judgment, remember, there's two judgments. I gave a talk on this last week. There's two, gen- there's two judgments. You have your personal judgment immediately upon death. And then you have the general judgment at the end of the world where you'll you'll learn everything of God's plan. And then you get your bodies back. So everybody has their own day. But then there's the 
last judgment in heaven. And whenever you die, you're just zoomed there, I guess. At the end of the world, well, you'll, sh you'll learn everything of God's plan, and then you get your bodies back. Now, these will be the same bodies that you had in this earth. So, if I feel like my kid is responsible enough to handle a knife, he can handle a knife. Oh, good enough. Earth. They'll be the same bodies, but our res resurrected bodies will not die and will be transformed in glory. Just like Moses and Elijah. That ain't a knife, Crocodile Dundee. That ain't a knife. Let me show you a real knife. Yeah, okay. On the mountain at the Transfiguration, freed from suffering and pain, enabled to do the things that Jesus, only Jesus could do in the Bible after he resurrected. We will shine, as I said, with that light that we reflected the light of Christ. And St. Thomas says, this is important. That's what we pray in the rosary. Right? She who magnifies the, the, I magnify the Lord. Yep, magnifier, amplifier, good enough. He says, man will rise again without any defect of human nature. We will be glorified because as God founded human nature without any defect, he will now restore it without any defect. In heaven, you will have your body without any defect. So let's look at the next slide because here we summarize it and we talk about our characteristics of our bodies. All right, I wanted to summarize these. I talked about these the other day, but I think it's great to summarize. This is the characteristics of our resurrected body. We will have identity, meaning we will get our body back, nobody else's. Okay, hold on, hold on. So too, much going the first on, too much going on. Right, so we got I, I, Q, I, sack. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Characteristics of our resurrected bodies. <laughs> One. I. Identity. Two. I. Integrated. Uh, integrity. Sorry. One. I. Identity. Two. Integrity. Three. Quantity. Quantity. Sorry. Quality over quantity. Got it. Okay. One. Identity. Two. Integrity. Three. Quality. I I Q. Got it. Four. On the other hand, four. M I M not. Impassibility. Can't pass from here. You want to pass over? You got to get to the next finger. Five. Subtly. Sub, sub, subtlety. 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 Sack. A. Number six. Agility. Oh. Seven. Clarity. I sack. Nice. What is that? Like, I come, I see, I conquer? <laughs> oh, man. I'm so tickled. All right, let's hear it. The other day, but I think it's great to summarize. This is the characteristics of a resurrected body. We will have identity, meaning we will get our body back, nobody else's. So it's the first one, identity. It, it, it'll be exactly no, the same. Friday. Second, integrity. 
This will keep all of our body parts is the same, even our intestines. This is why Jesus could eat, even though food isn't necessary in heaven. It's possible to eat. Third is quality. Our bodies will be youthful. It'll be that perfect age, like 33, the age of Jesus when he died. Because our bodies will conform to Christ's glorified body. Thomas Aquinas said something interesting. He said, human nature has two defects. The young and the old. <laughs> he said, first, the first defect is because it has not yet attained its ultimate perfection. It's not fully grown up yet into what it's supposed to be. And that is the defect found in children. The second defect, he said is in, in the older, elderly, because they've passed their ultimate perfection. They can no longer run and jump or, or things they used to do. This defect is found in the aged. So he said, in heaven we will have that perfect body, that in-between. It's since, it's like that age 33. Now, what about gender? Gender is part of human perfection, so you will keep your gender. As I said a long time ago, sorry, politicians, you want to change the gender? You can't. You will be your biological gender that you were born with. Other qualities such as height, hair color, and other such things will be retained because diversity is part of your perfection. All right, let's go to the next one, impassibility. What is impassibility? We will be immune from death and pain and suffering. That's all a result of sin. What about number five? Subtlety. Our bodies will be free from things that hold them back now. Right now our bodies constrained by space and time. Not later. The body will become perfected. And not under the control. will not control the spirit. The spirit will control the flesh. Just what Jesus said in scripture we need to do. The spirit needs to control the flesh. The problem in this world is the flesh controls our spirit. Next is agility. This is the one that gives freedom of movement. The body will be subject to the soul so it can do anything it wants. It will not be constrained about space and time. It can do whatever it wants. All right? It can move, will itself to go anywhere in the universe. Finally, clarity. What is clarity? The glory of our souls will be visible in our bodies. Again, I keep going back. Your body will shine with the light that you reflected Christ. We'll be beautiful and radiant. This is how we will be seen. Not if we're tall or thin, short or fat. It doesn't matter. We will reflect the light. That is what will matter. All right. So good stuff. Let's keep going quickly. If you take, for instance, the Marian apparitions, did Mary appear in her glorified body? Yes, in one sense, but not fully in all her glory. She had to appear in a form that the, the, the visionaries can handle and relate to. If they saw her in her full glorified body, they wouldn't be able to, to see her. It'd be just a bursting light. So she appeared in a way that they could see and relate to. But at any rate, we do catch a glimpse of the glory that awaits us. We talked about the transfiguration. Jesus' face shined like the sun. 
Matthew 17, 2. This is not only revealing Christ's divinity, but the glory that the humanity is going to be transformed into. You. That was showing the apostles what their humanity will look like once it's transformed by God's divinity. Isn't that incredible? This is what awaits our humanity. We will be glorified and shine. All right? I've talked about this in the past. What about marriage? Rearrange, repose, reposition, re-vantage point, re-everything. See different, hear different, think different. That's what I, no, that's what I do. There's no marriage in heaven. I always laugh. Some people say yes, and other people say, oh, man. Because the three purposes of marriage on this earth aren't needed in heaven. The one purpose of marriage is to be procreative, open to children, to perpetuate the race after people die. That's not needed in heaven. Nobody dies. Another objective of marriage is unitive, the sexual marital covenant. That's not needed in heaven. You'll be perfectly united to Christ. And third, get your spouse to heaven is not needed in heaven because they're either there or not. And so this is powerful. Now, do we believe, though, that we will be united with family members after this world? Okay, answer yes. Where? The prayers of the rites of our burial in the Catholic Church. They refer to a wait in the day that we are reunited with our deceased through Jesus. You know, we just did the tragic uh, funeral for Mark, one of our employees here, who died suddenly. And um, I did the funeral, and the words sank deep at the final commendation. That's part of a funeral. And I read the words from the rite, the burial rite, the rite of Christian burial. Mm. And it said, may we comfort one another mm. with our faith mm -hmm. until we all meet in Christ and are with you and Mark mm. forever mm. through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Faithfully departed. Rest Say in it peace, after Mark. every time you eat. You know, Lazarus and the rich man and Abraham, that parable in Luke 16, they were all able to recognize each other in the next world. Mm -hmm. Why are we constantly told as Catholics that the saints are dead, buried, they can't hear us? They're more alive than ever. He's the God of the living, not of the dead. Moses and Elijah, we talked about the transfiguration. They If you're living with him, why do you have to fast? He said, why do they have to fast when they're with the bridegroom? Like, I'm with them. But if you're not with them, then yeah, you need to stop whatever you're eating because it's keeping you away from him. Recognized each other. This is Matthew 17. And of course, the disciples even recognized Jesus after the resurrection. So that's why we implore the saints Tradition tells us, apostolic tradition, not man-made tradition. Remember, when somebody tells you as a Catholic, stop in the man-made traditions. You need to say back to them, <clears throat> I follow the Catholic Church, which is apostolic tradition, given by God to the apostles.
And that was given to man. How else is God going to teach us if it's not given to the people who lived right before you and me in a prior generation? So we implore the saints, pray for us. Tradition teaches those in heaven know who we are. We will recognize each other in heaven. But we will not be exactly the same as in this world. We will be glorified. We will be purified from all sin and will be consumed with the presence of the beatific vision. Incredible. All right. Next week, I'm going to address this question in my talk. But I want to get a little taste of it. Will there be non-Catholics in heaven? <clears throat> well, the Catholic Church teaches infallibly, outside the church there is no salvation. But wait a minute, Father, I've heard you say in homilies past that non-Catholics can get to heaven. How do you reconcile that? Join us next week. The Catechism says there is no salvation apart from Christ and his whole one holy Catholic and apostolic church. But those, it goes on to say, that are invincibly ignorant concerning this truth are not fully culpable. However, ignorance doesn't mean because a person is ignorant of the truth that they will automatically be saved. Ignorance is not bliss, it's dangerous. It means that they have the possibility of salvation. All right? Catechism, 846, I'm going to talk about this later in 848, means that all salvation comes from Christ as the head and through his body, which is the church. So when you go through the church, you go through Christ as the mediator. But being part of the church doesn't necessarily mean the four walls of the Catholic church. A pygmy in the rainforest who's never been in the church can still be united, albeit imperfectly. And we're going to talk about all this. So please, I don't want to get into that topic now. Join me next week as we say, is there salvation outside the Catholic church? Now, the answer is there is not. But I am also going to say non-Catholics can be saved. So how do we reconcile that? Join us next week. All right. Let's go back to Jimmy Aiken. Um, Jimmy Aiken is also a great Catholic apologist, and I'm going to finish with a few things he said about heaven, and we'll finish up with this today. All right. Now, he pointed out, let's go back to the body. He said... Whoops, sorry. Whoops, sorry. Anyway, you can go watch it. It's the um, Explaining the Faith, What Heaven is Like. Um what God has revealed. I'm going to do something else, but I'll, I'll 